Today's episode of Hear That Podcast Growling is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Bengals tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. Walkout. You hear that podcast growling. Paul Eater Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic. We're, it's the drive out today. We're, we're technically driving out of uh, MNT Bank Stadium. Where, because, shout out, tip of the cap to uh, Ravens PR and media. They give you the, one of the best press box spots in the loop, and they put the parking right next to uh, the, the press box elevator, so you hardly have to walk. So we would have a walkout that would only last like two minutes if we actually did it while we're walking, although I think, judging by where the Bengals season is headed, some people might prefer that. <laughs> I, I don't know if we should give a shout-out. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't their fault, but that, is, that was the coldest press box I've ever been in post-game. I don't know what was going on. It's a nice night. It's warm, and uh, we were freezing to death in the – in the post game, I, people probably don't want to care, hear about that. They don't hear about our problems, but it was. But it was. It was. It was bad. <laughs> it's one of the reasons I'm not done with my story yet. We're going back to the hotel, and I'm going to finish up in warmth. Uh, and I mean, and you've got to get the heat going to talk about the latest uh, debacle. It's it's one of those where you never want. This, we were in the same position last year, where around mid season you're researching not just franchise records but NFL records and that's where we're at now with I mean after those first three drives it was just a totally toothless overwhelmed defensive effort I mean it was really there was no at that point it was as much as the Bengals did kind of get back in the game that was really the story of the game was just letting Baltimore run wild I mean, and you can't – a team that runs the ball and, and plays football the way that they do, the last thing you can do is fall behind like that. You're playing right into their hands, and so they end up running for 270 yards. The third time this season already, in six games, they've given up 250-plus yards rushing. Third in the last five games because, they yeah, it was the San Francisco game, and then it was uh, yeah. Arizona, and now Baltimore, and it's like – this was the 13th start of Lamar Jackson's career, and it looked like his first because it was the exact same. His first was against the Bengals, and he he ran all over them. I mean, it looked exactly like that game last November where they just they had no answer for him whatsoever. We were we were looking up. We're, we're still looking up the, the futility numbers for the Bengals. I was looking up. Lamar Jackson had a run of 36, 31. He had a touchdown of 21. 
uh, three of the four longest runs of his career were today. And that, it's, it's not like you said earlier. It's not like it's not like he's a guy that doesn't run a lot. He runs all the time, and he's had a lot of success running the ball. And today was as good as he's ever been. And then that drive that really kind of put the dagger in him. Third and fourteen. Where's okay? Oh. He can't run now. He's got to throw it. Nope. Quarterback draw. Sixteen yards. First down. And it ends up being almost a ten-yard drive to give him a two-score to push the lead to thirteen. And it was pretty much over after that. Yeah, I just. And it's, it's again, it goes back to the same thing, and that's the most frustrating element of it, I, I would think, for Bengals fans, is you go, <laughs> you saw this last year. This was your problem last year. You don't have linebackers that, that are fast enough to chase a guy like this or disciplined enough to pull him down that can go sideline to sideline. You did nothing to fix it. You had the same guys out there that couldn't do it last year trying to do it again this year, outside of you had Jermaine Pratt trying to play today, who, by the way, had his own failures and, and where dudes are just it's one thing if then they're running and then dudes are just running free in the secondary wide open for him to hit two where there's nobody even near him whether it's Jermaine Pratt, Pat, Pratt not being able to run with a guy or just guys just blowing coverages it's just bad and all of that we've just talked about the offense is worse than the defense <laughs> the offense is worse they can't do they can't, anything what would 33 rushing yards uh, Alex Erickson is your leading rusher today, and he got one carry. That was for 17 <laughs> yards. I mean, it, it's it's unbelievable. And, and I, I did I looked up, you know, because the the Ravens had 267, the Bengals had 33. So I was wondering what the greatest rushing differential in NFL history was, and it was it was nowhere near that. But it was the second greatest rushing differential in Bengals history, and the first was way back in 1969, and the the the, the third largest. Eh, San Francisco, the fourth largest last year here against Lamar Jackson. I mean, you're right. It's it's the same story over and over again with this defense, and they did nothing to fix it. They did nothing to fix it. They don't. It's just they just don't. They don't have it. And you start to, you know, this. You you get the opening kickoff returned for a touchdown. We ran those stats earlier this year when I did the story on the holding call in Buffalo that could have changed a game or whatever. Teams with a kickoff return in the last 10 years win 66% of the time. It's an instant, like, 16% jolt. Yeah. I mean, right off the jump, you get a, a score that you've needed. Toll booth time. Thank you. Thank you to the fine people of uh, Baltimore Transportation. I paid uh, it this time. Yeah, Jay, I blew through it on the way to the game. You, I, I'm sure I'm going to get a ticket at some point in the mail from the rental car company, but we were a little lost. Not lost, but we were just confused rolling up to the toll booth, and it's like, oh, crap, I'm in the easy pass line. I wasn't going to try to cut into the, the cash line, so there might be a bolo out right now for us. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, file that on the athletic expenses. Can you put – can you do that? Can you file that on the expenses? Just, just – came with the territory. I guess it depends on how much the ticket is. If it's a couple dollars, I can say that was the total. If it's was $50, dollars. that might be a tough sell. Sorry about that, Athletic. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's not, um, it's just not very pretty. It's, it's, we're going to continue to talk about is now the Bengals and the Dolphins are the only two winless teams out there. The, the Dolphins, the Dolphins had a, uh, I believe I saw, I like, enjoyed, I, it was called a two-up point conversion that they went for today. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> Where they didn't, uh, didn't convert going for two against the Redskins and, uh, end up losing to continue their, 
uh, they're taking. And, you know, I, you, you see this today, and you, you do wonder, like, how far is this going to go? How far is this going to go? Because Jacksonville at home next week maybe is a winnable game with uh, Rico Suave at quarterback. I mean, you hope that you could maybe... After the game, I don't know. I'll, I'll just... We haven't even talked about this yet, so I'm kind of curious. What do you make of Zach Taylor's at post-game sort of... He, he's very resolute that he... You know, proud of the fight in that that this is... You would never know that this is some 0-6 team uh, but because of the, the, the fight that he sees. I mean, do you... When you start talking about effort and fighting to the end, like you're just in a bad place, I mean, how much... That certainly matters when you're trying to build something foundationally. But what do you make of of that message, which we've now heard for multiple weeks in a row? Honestly, I thought it was. I thought part of it was that he was proud because it would have been as bad as they are right now to get down that fast and as ugly as it looked. It would. It could have easily been a thirty point game. They they could have just mailed it in. But I thought it was kind of a a roundabout way of him trying to take the blame off the defense and put it on him as the play caller and on the offense because he was he was saying how much fight even he, he said he didn't care about the yards that they held him to field goals when they got down there they kept they they held the ravens to 23 points if you've got pride as a play caller you feel like you should score enough points to beat a team that scores 23 and i think that's what he was trying to do was was point the finger back at him and back at the offense and say don't blame the defense for this one even though they gave up 500 yards, which is it was 500 until three kneel downs at the end, and then I think it ended 497. But I think that's where he was going with that was trying to say this this is on me, this is on the offense. He's not wrong, and for the first time, you know, rightfully was asked if he was going to relinquish his duties as play caller after the game today, uh, and and props to Paul Docker from the choir asked that question for for bringing it up because you know it's. It's not going well. I mean, there, there's nothing in the red zone stuff. This is a team that was one of the best in the red zone last year. That's awful this year. They continue to not have any idea how to how to punch it in. You know, you see third down screens that are totally obvious getting blown up. You're yeah. you're running right up the middle in the red zone a couple of times and just getting nothing, even though you know you you know you know what your limitations are. Joe Mixon is essentially a non-factor. Uh, you know how much are these tight ends really being involved? It, it, it seems like, and it's it's tough. Like when you're when you you know that your O line can't really protect. You know, you're you're limited in what you you can you can't run, you can't really drop back. Everything that you're doing is trying to be one two and throwing five to ten yards. And Andy Dalton's missing some of those in some cases badly. And you know, so you're you're limited. How much is it is it on the play caller? How much is it that they just don't have enough players out there that can execute it? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And and I'll, I mean, I would say that I I don't think he should give up the play calling duties. And there's a couple reasons. One, it's not like you've got a guy on staff that's no one else has experience doing it. I mean, you're not going to turn over Brian Callahan. I mean, he's he's a good coach, but he's never been. A play caller before, never been an offensive coordinator before. Mm-hmm. So, and then the other thing is, 
that that article that I wrote this week about all the advice that all those 0 and 5 co- every single coach said stay true to what you believe in don't panic don't rip things up don't change things just because it's not going well right out of the shoot uh, I think it is important for him to kind of stay firm in what he believes in and and make it known that he believes in his system the team should believe in his system and again it's you what's this offense going to look I mean if AJ Green comes back next week I mean is he worth six or seven points I mean you, you lose this game by six you lost last week by three can he be that big of a difference I think he possibly can I I just I they're not gonna they're not gonna be a a really good team. They're not even going to be an average team, but I just I can't see it being the train wreck that it is once they get AJ Green back. No, I would agree. I mean, because like today, it's okay. Take Tyler Boyd out of this game. I mean, with Mar- between Marlon Humphrey and all the bracket coverages and everything you saw, they threw everything at Tyler Boyd. It's not going to be Tyler Boyd that beat you. Force Auden Tate to beat you. And and tip of the cap to Auden Tate, who had a hell of a game, and I think is starting to establish himself as a, a really nice player who I think that you should, you know, be... If you're looking for bright spots, I think through the first six games, if, you, if you're just like, I'm just sick of being depressed about the state of things, Auden Tate, I think, is one uh, that, that you can feel pretty good about. And But, there, you know, you need more than him. And if A.J. Green comes back, you know, teams aren't going to treat Tyler Boyd that way. They're going to treat A.J. Green that way, and you get Tyler Boyd in the one-on-ones, and you get all these other guys to, to, to be more open, and hopefully that can spring you open a little bit more often. If there's ever, we always, I feel like there's always a guy who's hurt every year, and they say, oh, when he comes back, man, it's going to, and I always feel like in this in NFL, you can't really say that unless it's a quarterback, but in the case of A.J. Green, he might be the closest thing to that guy because it's a fact. I mean, this team, when, when they don't have A.J. Green, doesn't win. It's like, not, yeah. It's just the, just the truth. It's not just the talent he brings. It's the threat. It's the respect that the defense has to give, the honesty they have to play with if he's out there. And, and I do think, and it, it, not just the passing game, I think that could really open up the running game, too. If, if you've got guys worried, you know, the defense is focused on A.J. and you can't, you can't leave Tyler Boyd open and then you got your third best corner on Auden Tate I mean that that really stresses a defense and it's not like this running game is going to go nuts because I just don't think the offensive line has it in them but it's I I mean if you ask me that's the most surprising thing this year because this offensive line wasn't good last year and Joe Mixon still had a great year and to I don't even know how many yards he's at right now but it's, it's shocking how low it is you know we uh had already recorded the podcast later, late in the week, before Zach Taylor made his declaration that they're not trading AJ Green, and that's been a, obviously a big topic of conversation. It, it, it the fallout of that has been interesting. I, you know, I wrote a column on that Friday that hey, that's fine. You you want it, you want AJ Green to be your Larry Fitzgerald. You don't have enough stars. You want you want to just have him around. He's he's you know probably the most talented player you've had this millennium I'll 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 buy that I'll, I'll, I'll I'm fine with that I'm yeah. not gonna I'm not gonna lose my mind either way of this argument whether you want to trade him for the pick or not that's fine um 
you better sign him. You you better get that extension signed. You better not do some low ball stuff that we've seen them happen in the past. The ghost of Andrew Whitworth. It better look like Geno Atkins and the Carlos Dunlap deals, where you're paying the top of the market, or the the last AJ deal, where you paid him as the highest paid receiver. You just need to take that hit and understand that you're probably going to be on a rookie deal for your quarterback soon. And you get when you do that, you have the kind of luxury to maybe overpay in some spots. And in this case, you would do so with AJ Green. You better get that done. He better not end up walking, or you've totally botched this entire situation. But you know, my my thing is, I think a lot of people get all worked up about oh they they've got how could you why would you care about keeping a guy like that when you could trade him for a pick when this team sucks so bad and th- my point is sort of like what what pick is going to come in and have more of an impact first of all we've seen what the first round picks have looked like lately and second of all you know that is a guy who can you at least you know he can play you you know you know what he is you know what kind of a star he can be and now I'm not saying he's going to be that into his 30s, but to think that one guy that you're going to bring in is a to get one pick is going to change everything. AJ Green's the last guy that I'm going to say that about. I, I have a fine trade Geno Atkins, trade Carlos Dunlap, trade these dudes that are are no impact guys for the most. I mean, really, Geno Atkins not on the stat sheet tonight. Yeah, and. Geno Atkins has, what does he have, one sack? They, essentially, the Geno-Carlos deals, they got five good games out of, of the $110 million that they paid those guys. And they, those guys look like they're falling off the cliff. And if you can get something for them, I would I, I would have always, of all the guys who are 30-plus, always I would have started paying A.J. Green, and then the rest of them might have said, oh, let's think about it. You know? So I, I'm not going to say that, oh, yeah, G, they have, clearly have to trade A.J. Green. I'm not... It's not going to do that. It's not just what he brings talent-wise, but if, I mean, Zach said it from the minute he got here, his first press conference, is he's trying to build this whole thing on culture and character, and there's not a better guy. If, if you are going to have to tear this down to any degree and, and get younger, I mean, who else would you want the young guys looking up to than a guy like A.J. Green? He's, he's not the diva wide receiver. He, he does everything the right way. And I, I think there's, I think there's value in that if, if you're trying to build something and create something even beyond what he can do for you on the field. I just, I was surprised that Zach came out and said that because how, how you never say never. I mean, he says we're not trading that guy. What if someone gets really desperate and offers you two first round picks? Right. And then, and then you have no choice but to trade him. And then you look like, I mean, Dave Gettleman said it about OBJ and the Giants said we're not trading him. And then they trade him. He's got egg all over his face. I, I love that Zach is that honest um and, and candid but I, I i was really surprised that he said that but that's a difficult position he's in because no one in the front office will talk about it well and that's the other thing i mean the sort of behind the curtain is they you know the front office is not going to talk in season they want zach to be the spokesperson for the entire organization so when we have made requests to talk to them the whole, you know, it's basically, well, Zach is, is our spokesperson in season. So he is the one to step up and say that. And if they do know that they are just not going to trade A.J. Green and they're sick of hearing about it, then he, he can confidently go out there and say that. Um, you know, I, I, I get the impression that they're pretty willing to stand pat on pretty much all their players. And we'll see what happens over the next few weeks, how much that changes. And it always depends on what kind of offers you get for certain guys, whether you're talking about, you know, more tight ends goes down and 
Tyler Eifert's there. You know, you, whether he's going to come back after this year or not, you could maybe what can you get for him? Seattle Gino, lost Disley today. Yeah, so Gino, Carlos. I mean, there's any of these guys. Um, you know, if there if somebody has interest, um, you know, William Jackson the third. Who, who hasn't taken that next step for yeah. you? Um, you know what? It, it, teams that are like the Eagles that are in desperate need of a corner. If they call and they, you got the Eagles offer a one for William Jackson the third. Would you listen? Right? I mean, have to. Yeah, I would think so. Because um, you're making the decision of what you're going to pay William Jackson. Are you going to pay William Jackson the third? Are you going to do the same thing you did with Drake or Patrick? Where you give that guy $52 million. Based on potential, not production. That's, yeah, you, right. you can't afford to do that. Right. And so if you know that's the case, are you just redraft? I mean, this this organization, if it just sits on its hands, I would, would be, an, you know, and that's fine. They, they could still make trades in the offseason. You don't have to do it at the deadline. But you're going to have a lot of value in a lot of those. So... There's a lot of judging that's going to go on on how they handle this, or if they just sit on their hands and just let it play out, and you you know you kill yourself and you delay any coming around the other side an extra year or two. It has happened before, it could happen again, and we'll see. But my whole the beginning of all this is I, I'm not I'm I'm, I'm not going to all the guys. Lord knows they need more dudes that can make plays and help go win them games, and on offense in particular. I want to see what A.J. Green looks like, and I'd be happy taking him over whatever you think they're going to draft in the first round. You want A.J. Green or Billy Price? Ask yourself that question right now because that's what we're talking about. At least we know what A.J. Green is, even if he is into his 30s and he's been hurt too much. Uh, Well, this was fun. These are just so fun. I really just, I'm really just enjoying everything. I'm really excited that we're going to go to another continent to watch this crap continue. <laughs> That's going to be great. We get to do that in a couple of weeks. Hey, let's see if they're, if they look bad overall in Europe. Maybe that'll be good. I bet uh, they do. <laughs> <laughs> What's the exchange rate on crap football? <laughs> yeah, uh, so we shall see next week. Jacksonville at home, then to London, and then a bye thank goodness uh that would be great bye weekend by the way the brewing queue at 50 west is happening where they do their collaboration with great lakes i was just out there this weekend actually uh they have home sweet home the new it's the their new beer their seasonal beer is delicious it is it is my wife's favorite fall beer because it's a fall beer doesn't taste like a pumpkin it tastes like it's almost like a little sweet potato pie like in a Oh, it's, it's just delicious. How much um, lost time is she making up for after oh, big time. Uh, nine months pregnant? Nine months, yeah, she, she <laughs> is taking full advantage. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so, yeah, we, we were enjoying ourselves uh, out there, but that's coming up. So the Brew and Q, they'll have a Great Lakes collaboration beer as long as all-you-can-eat barbecue. And it's just a, it's a, it's an awesome event. Highly recommend it. It's November 2nd. Just go to 50westbrew.com, and you can get your tickets uh, for that. Um Anyway, outside of that, uh, we have arrived back at the hotel, so we're out of there, and we'll be back home tomorrow for more Fallout, and uh, talk to you then. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening to The Walkout, and here that podcast ground, we will talk to you next time.